All right. What is up? We are live. Guys, welcome back to another edition of the Unplugged Out podcast. I am your host this week. You might remember me from last week. I'll also be your host for next week's show. Um, <clears throat> talk a little bit about some housekeeping items and some things we've got coming on in the next week or two. So, um, Rich is still on vacation in Italy. We originally had tried to plan to make this show a little bit later in the evening, around 1030 Eastern, which would have given him enough time to get up um, in Italy and try to catch it on an early morning. But uh, his sleep is pretty much all out of whack. He's been getting up. like He told me he was getting up over there at 8 a.m. local time, um, which is, I think, like 2 or 3 in the morning uh, Eastern. So uh, he's just going to enjoy the rest of his vacation. He's going to take the next couple of weeks off. So I'm going to be running the show tonight uh, and also uh, next week. And then the following week <clears throat> will be uh, a new format. So we've been talking a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks. If you guys didn't see uh, two Mondays ago, we had our first Ladies Night podcast. Um, if you miss it, uh, go back and watch it. There's clips on the Rich Cooper Clips channel. So that's something we're going to start doing every Monday. Uh, it's not going to take place of the Unplugged Alpha podcast. We're still going to run this show. The Unplugged Alpha podcast is going to take place uh, 7 o'clock Eastern. So we're going to bump it up an hour. <clears throat> that's still going to go for about 90 minutes. It's going to be about an hour and a half. We'll take a short 15-minute break, and then we'll do the Ladies Night podcast, which is sort of the um, – all-female panel, Rich and I as co-hosts, we talk about the current dating landscape, relationships, things like that, um, and, and give you guys a little bit of a, a different perspective. So so what are we going to do this week? So Rich kind of let me know on, on short notice that he wasn't going to be planning to host tonight. And so um, I know he had said something a couple of weeks ago where he kind of put a poll in the community tab about who... Is, is, is anybody interested in seeing a review of the Barbie movie or do you guys want to hear me talk about Barbie? And, and a lot of guys said yes. And so I shot him a text and I said, hey, listen, uh, I don't really have anything lined up for tomorrow. I saw that you potentially were going to chat about the Barbie movie. Do you still want to do that? And he was like, absolutely not. Like, go for it. <laughs> so I'm diving on this grenade. I'm falling on this sword for Rich Cooper and for the rest of you guys in the comment section and the listeners that are uh, coming in every week so again gonna be your host this week and next hope you guys stick around we're still gonna have the same similar format to to normal um gonna go for about 30 minutes or so just depending on if i can get all my commentary out and then i'm gonna open it up to callers about a third or half of the way through we'll try to keep it tight this week um if I feel like there's a lot of guys that are calling in or that need help and I'll try to get to all the callers as usual, but um, I want to try to keep the callers to new callers as much as possible. So if you've been on the show before, or if you were on the show last week, you're probably going to take a backseat to other people that are going to be calling in. So if you guys have a question or if you have commentary on my stuff, or if you've seen the Barbie movie for whatever reason, you decided to put yourself through that torturous nonsense, uh, feel free to pop up on, on, the uh, show and we can chat about your experience. So I thought the best way to do this would be to just summarize the movie for you guys and also talk throughout about some of the points and the um, sort of representations and the symbolism that I think it means. And um, I I'll start off by saying this. I mean, 
it was absolute genius marketing. So if you guys didn't know, as of last night, the Barbie movie surpassed a billion dollars in revenue. That is unheard of for a movie with this kind of budget. I mean, you're talking about Avengers uh, Infinity War level stuff. And you're talking about an ensemble cast of some of the biggest stars and actors in Hollywood that are hitting that one billion uh, mark. So this is on crazy numbers. And if you have if you live under a rock and you're not on social media at all, or if you haven't just opened your door and listened to people talk, everybody's talking about the Barbie movie. Everybody's getting dressed up to go to the theater. People are wearing pink. You have grown women wearing pink. You have grown men wearing pink to go to the movie theater. And I was watching the trailer actually earlier today because essentially what they did is they, in a nutshell, they took a brand as recognizable as Barbie that women in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s at this point um, will remember playing with Barbies growing up. And so this was sort of the perfect bait for older women or uh, that had grown up with Barbie and also that may have daughters that they wanted to sort of impart this sort of, oh, this is an amazing part of my childhood sort of thing onto their daughters or young women in their life. And millions of people have seen this thing. And so the reason I call it genius is because they didn't give anything away as far as what the movie overall was going to be about. I mean, they played really fast and loose with the actual plot. And what they actually gave for two hours, you know, I was watching the trailer. And I thought, oh, this is going to be uh, th this is selling a quirky movie about a doll who gains sentience and then goes into the real world and gets into all kind of wacky and funny mishaps and adventures, like a lighthearted family kind of movie. And essentially what it really was is a two hour long feminist propaganda atomic bomb. Um, so I definitely want to chat a little bit more about. You know, what brought me to those conclusion, uh, so much of the movie that I had issue with. I mean, I was trying to really rack my brain as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about on this cast to find any sort of redeemable moment whatsoever during the movie. And I just couldn't find one. I thought there were opportunities. There were certainly opportunities where they had a chance to say, hey, this is all satire or... I'll get into the movie. They had plenty of chances to bring that home and, and try to make it seem like it wasn't so heavy handed, but I mean, it was a, it was a pure disaster. So the movie opens in Barbie land. You got Margot Robbie as the stereotypical Barbie and they've got a whole bunch of different Barbie characters. They had pregnant Barbie, which you find out um, was an actual Barbie, but was discontinued. So first shot at motherhood there. Uh, basically the whole day is a party. Barbie drives her, fictional car to the fictional beach you have all of the barbies and i'm, I'm gonna start i don't know how many times i'm gonna have to say barbie throughout this cast and barbie and ken i'm probably just gonna start saying men and women if i can help it but the barbies are all center of attention and they're all happy-go-lucky and they're saying hi to each other and they're just couldn't have a care in the world every day is the best day ever and the kens are just on the beach and they're dancing and they're strutting and they're posing and they're all are six pack abs and stuff like that, like a Ken doll would. And all they're doing is trying to get the attention of the Barbie's character, specifically Ryan Gosling's character is trying to get the attention of Margaret Robbie's Barbie character. They even go so far as to say the Ken, his job is beach. It's not lifeguard. It's not, 
beach patrol. It's not anything. It's beach, just the word beach. So right off the bat, we're, we're seeing that men have been reduced to absolutely have no value whatsoever. And they are their only purpose in life is to be noticed by Barbie. So this continues. Barbie throws a big soiree at her Barbie dream house that night. And then she starts to have intrusive thoughts. She see the music all stops. She says something to the the effect of, do you guys ever think about dying? And obviously that's sort of a taboo thought in Barbie land. And not to bore you guys with all the details, but what happens is there's some rift in the time space continuum between the Barbie world and the real world. The Barbie in the Barbie world starts becoming more humanoid. She gets flat feet, for example, and then she starts getting cellulite and then she has these intrusive thoughts. And so it's revealed that she has to go to the real world and find this child that is playing with her and get her to think happy thoughts again or repair her relationship with Barbie. It's still kind of fuzzy to me. I tried not to focus on the really woo-woo stuff. And then Ken, Ryan Gosling's character. So, so Barbie goes to on her road trip and she's going to go to the real world. And Ken stows away in her backseat, right? Always wanting her approval. Ken gets Ken rides in the backseat. Barbie rides in the front. He doesn't even ride shotgun in this movie. So they get to L.A. They get to Venice Beach. Everybody's kind of seen the leaked photos of roller skates and things like that. So they're going roller skating. And, and right off the bat, you're hit with this laziest most stereotypical screenwriting you can ever get there's a scene where they're, they're where they're rollerblading and there's a group of college kids that are like hooping and hollering at Marvin robbie's barbie they run into a construction site where there's four fat construction dudes that are saying lines you haven't heard since you were five like do you want have some fries with that shake and stuff like that and so it's just it's right off the bat it's so it's so heavy-handed that you think it might be satire and it's not. It's not satire. This is this is truly the way that Greta Gerwig thinks. And the director of Greta Gerwig, and I knew this was going to be a garbage movie when I, when I learned that she was the director. She had directed um, Little Women and then Lady Bird, I think, which are two like, very coming-of-age for women movies. And she's been on the up and up as far as directors go. And so so what are, they, what are they here to do? So Barbie is here to find this little girl and change her opinion of Barbie so all is right in the world. So she splits up, but at the same time, we're, we're taken to the Mattel offices where Mattel is a company that owns Barbie. And just like in stereotypical fashion, the entire boardroom is made up of bumbling, stumbling, idiot men led, led by no other than the king of playing bumbling, stumbling idiots, Will Ferrell, and a bunch of guys who never learned their names. And of course, the one woman in the office is the secretary. That's the only job. Uh, in this universe that apparently she is, she's good enough for. So these guys get word that Barbie's out and they go, oh, this could cause a huge problem and we can't let this get out. This is going to be a huge issue. And so they go out to find her. They go out to try to catch her. And so at the same time, Ken is off experiencing a world for the first time where people are looking at him differently because he's a man or treating him well they're saying what's up to him they're recognizing him they're giving him they're, they're saying he has value and then he starts to get this pompous attitude and this sort of unearned confidence where now he starts marching into doctor's offices and saying i want to be a doctor or a banker's office and saying i want to be a banker and i need to have this because i'm a man 
So this whole thing about this unearned this unearned confidence because this guy marches into this office and just says, well, I'm a man, so I, I deserve this and I earn this. Not, not that I earn it. I just get it. I should, you should give it to me because I'm a man. So again, the stereo, the stereotypes are in full swing here. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And it's, I haven't, I don't know a single man that acts like that. The men that I know in the circles that I run in, guys understand they have to put in the work and they have to do work. Now, I'm not saying there aren't guys out there. I think there are plenty of guys out there that think they are somehow entitled, whether that's to female attention or whether that's to jobs or positions or nice things. But it's very, it's very rarely, I don't ever hear it saying, well, because I'm a man, I deserve this. It's more so I'm a nice guy or I'm a good person or I'm all these other this and that. Um, so I deserve this. And so Ryan Gosling's can, he goes back to Barbie world. He says, oh, I've seen, I've seen what the real world is like where men dominate everything. And he has this weird obsession with horses. I guess it's supposed to be funny. It's really not. Um, so he goes back to Barbie land. Barbie finds this, her girl owner, I guess. And there's this really weird interaction in the lunchroom where like a 14 year old girl says Barbie set back feminism 50 years and calls Barbie a fascist. And it's like no 14 year old talks like that. No 14 year old girl has any, any sort of, she doesn't know a fact, like they don't, they don't know what that means. It's like, clearly this is, you know, the, the director putting this stuff into a 14 year old girl's character. It, it's just, it was really bad. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, Barbie gets captured by the Mattel guys. And again, a very over the top, heavy handed, they get out a toy box or they get out a Barbie plastic box and they say, Barbie, get back in the box. They're trying to put women back in a box, like just lazy ham handed screenwriting. So Barbie outsmarts all the Mattel executives who are all men. And there's something I want to call out too. Um, and this will kind of resurface in a little bit, but Mattel's board of directors is made up of 11 people. Five of them are women. So almost half, I mean, you can't have half of 11, but they're not even going for accuracy. They're going for the most ham handed stereotype that you could possibly get in this, in this situation. So Barbie escapes. She finds her way back to Barbie land and she comes back to find Barbie land completely different than what she once left it. Ken has turned all of the Kens into the leaders now and all of the Barbies are no longer the CEOs and the Supreme Court justices and the lawyers and the doctors and the business owners and all of these things that Barbie and feminism is telling women that they can be. And they've essentially turned into... I don't want to say house Barbies, but like house Barbies, housewives, and they're taking care of some of the Kens. And Barbie decides that these other Barbies and these women, Margot Robbie decides that all of these other Barbies are brainwashed. So now it's her job to team up with the other sort of outcast Barbie um, played by Kate McKinnon to essentially kidnap all of the other Barbies and unbrainwash them. And it really struck a chord with me. And it really, it's what feminism gets so wrong. I think about women and women having equal rights and all that kind of stuff. They're just taking choice completely out of it. There's, there's nothing in there that says like, this is where the movie had such a missed opportunity 
and this is kind of at the end, I'm kind of going to the end and coming back, but there was such an opportunity to say, listen, some of the Barbies, let's say we unbrainwashed the Barbies, but they still chose to be a Barbie wife or a house Barbie or a Barbie mother. And we would say that's okay. It's all about the important, the importance is about choice and about what you're, what you can do with the knowledge that you gain. But this whole idea of a Barbie taking care of a Ken or being with a Ken is not a choice. It's brainwashing. So it, you're, you're essentially telling women that the only reason they would ever be side by side with a man and be taking care of him or adding value to his life is if she's brainwashed and we need to get her away from Ken and we need to re brainwash her or unbrainwash her. So now she wants to be the doctor, the Supreme court justice or a lawyer or anything, all this good stuff. And there's one particular scene that really like stuck out more than most. Um, and so there's this, the whole idea of they're, they're trying to pull one over on these Kens to get power back because the Kens have revolted and now they're going to write a new constitution to say Kens have all the power now and Barbies don't have the power anymore. And so what they do is they pretend to be interested in these Kens. They pretend to be infatuated with them. And it culminates in this one big scene where all of the Kens are playing guitar to um, a Barbie on the beach and all of them are doing it. And so it's funny, like, again, very over the top. The song they pick is Push by Matchbox 20. I'm not going to read the lyrics or I'm not going to talk about it with you guys. Um, but it kind of culminates in this final sort of campfire scene where they pretend to be interested and right when they, they even, and they say this explicitly, they say like, we're going to pretend to be interested. And then right at the right moment, when we think we have them hooked, they all pull out their phones and act uninterested and disinterested. And the guy goes, Hey, listen, um, you know, he goes, who are you texting? He's like, Oh, just another Ken. And this winds, this winds up pitting all of the men together and the men actually go to war on a beach, like a beach battle while all of the Barbies conspire behind their backs to redo the constitution or celebrate how stupid men are and how idiotic they are. I want to go back really quick because this is probably the most important part of the entire film that I disagree with. Well, let me, let me wrap it up and I'm gonna come back to this because I'm, I'm almost at the end. I kind of skipped over, but I kind of skipped over it on purpose. So eventually what happens is, the Kens realize they've been played for fools. And all along, Ryan Gosling's entire motivation of changing Barbie world to Ken world and taking over is because he's essentially friend-zoned by Barbie. And even at the very end of the movie, he has a breakdown and she coddles him and hugs him and stuff. And he goes in to kiss her. And they, they let you know very clear that it's not going to happen, that the girl and the guy are not going to end up together. This is not some stupid, sappy rom-com from the 80s. Sorry to burst your bubble. And it ends with this weird soliloquy about how I'm Barbie. It's not Barbie and Ken. It's Barbie. And then there's Ken. And essentially the whole movie says it, it, it is closing and wrapping up, trying to tell women that they're better off without men and men, you don't, you don't need women, dude. Like you're just, you're enough. You're Ken enough. K E N O U G H. He literally wears a sweatshirt at the end of the movie that says Ken enough. And I think there's memes going around. I think Trudeau probably put one on 
out or something like that. Um, but it's just, it, it, overall, it's, it's just such a horrible, horrible message, in my opinion. And I don't believe that it's satire. I know that Wahlberger said it's satire. It's not satire. Like, if it was satire, it would be, I think, obvious. I mean, you, you take a director like Gerwig and you see the stuff that she's putting out. It's really not satire. She's trying to send a message. This is really the reality that women think they live in. They think they live in this reality where they have to be in constant fear of men where every three seconds you've got fat construction workers that are oogling and og ogling and hooping and hollering at them. They think they live in a world where every board of directors is run by men and the only jobs that women are allowed for are secretarial. It's just a complete misrepresentation of the reality of the world that we actually live in. And so they all drive off into the sunset. Barbie ends up going to the real world, I guess, because she fixed Barbie land and now it's up to her to fix the real world. I don't really know what the, the end, I was so out of it by the, the last you know 10 minutes, I was, I was kind of over it and done with it. But there was one point and this, I, I got wind of this before I even saw the movie because there's a, <clears throat> there's a very specific moment where the mother character from the real world, who is really the culprit of playing with the dolls the wrong way that broke the space time. Don't try to follow along with that. I'm, you're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself. even trying to think about it, but she opens So, so Margot Robbie has this moment where she looks around and nobody wants her and nobody is taking her seriously. All the other Barbies have all the other Ken's and the Ken, and this is, it's so, it's so poetic and this isn't what they meant, but this is really how things happen. So she went from having all of this attention and everybody was obsessed with her because she was, young and hot Barbie. She was stereotypically hot Barbie. She was the Barbie of the Barbies. Now nobody wants anything to do with her. Nobody wants to talk to her. Nobody wants any of this kind of stuff. Even Ryan Gosling, who was obsessed with her, who has now said, whatever, I'm done with you. I'm over it. So she has this major breakdown and she says, I'm not good at anything. I'm not a doctor. I can't fly planes. I'm not interesting. I'm not smart. I'm not beautiful. And she essentially is hitting the wall in real time. And the guys that watch this content know what I'm talking about. She's hitting the wall in real time. She's recognizing that the power she used to have, <clears throat> the attention she used to command, she's no longer getting it. It's over. And so that is her motivation to go and unbrainwash these other Barbies. Nobody wants her. She's past her prime. She's hit the wall. She's gotten zeroed out. So what does she do? She wants to go and make sure all of those other Barbies are just as miserable as she is. Misery loves company in this particular context. And when the Barbies were actually taking care of the Kens, they were happy. They were ecstatic. There was one that even made the comment where she goes, this is so much better than being president. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They tried to make that satire, but I, I was talking to some, I was, I was talking to my LTR about this last night. And I said, look, like if you take 99% of the bossiest boss babes ever with the wall of fancy degrees framed in mahogany and there's all the money in the bank and the VP and the CFO, CEO titles and all this stuff and 20 years of climbing the corporate ladder and having to play the game. I guarantee that 99% of women out there, if they ran into a guy that was like, you don't have to do that anymore. 
I got this. I'm going to take care of it. You never have to worry about paying another bill. You never have to worry about buying another this. You never have to worry about any of this other stuff. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to handle it. 99% of women would take that deal. And the speech that this woman gave, I'm going to actually read you guys the speech. Now, if this gets copyrighted in any sort of strike, I'm going to try, maybe, maybe I won't read the whole thing. I want to try to be very careful with like copyright infringement. I, I know I can't show any clips, but this stuff is like, is widely shared like lines from the movie. So I don't think it's that big a deal. So I am going to read it. And this is, this is really what first set me off on this movie. And this is what I kind of wanted to delve into the most. Um, and where I think overall we're going. So let me, let me read it really quick. So, so this, what has happened? Yeah, Mo, this is, you're exactly right. So this is the woman having so hard speech. Um, now there's going to be some things that I agree with in this. I'm not, I'm not going to call this moment in time completely trash. And I'll tell you guys why here in a minute, but this is essentially what she says. Barbie has just had her breakdown. She says, I'm not good at anything. I can't do anything. I can't fly a boat or fly a ship or I can't drive a boat or I'm not smart, all this kind of stuff. So this is, this is the quote in its entirety. She goes, it is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful. Talking to Barbie, you are so beautiful and smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. You can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You never have to get old. Sorry. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. Exclamation point. It's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll, just representing women, then I don't even know. That I heard this and I, or I read it for the first time. And it just, it, it, it blew my mind, man. Like, honestly, because this is, this is something that I've had a lot of conversations with, re, a lot of conversations about recently. And <clears throat> I don't disagree that there are women out there that felt like, that feel like they are held to impossible standards. But what this movie fails to do is point the gun, point the barrel of the gun at the right people. And it's not the men. This entire movie is predicated on the fact that men are the enemy towards women. And men only want to keep women down. And men have these unbelievable standards for, for women which they must achieve and they must do. Otherwise, they're not going to be good enough. And this goes out to all the women out there that believe that. I'm sorry that you've been lied to for so long. I'm sorry that you've... One second, I'm going to get this comment. Yeah. Dude, don't come into the comment section and say stupid shit like women are the enemy. 
I'm going to ban you so fast, dude. Um, don't do that stuff. Because it's exactly not what we're trying to achieve here. And so this idea of it's all men's standards and it's all men holding us to this and men telling us we need to be this, it's just not true. You know, the people that are saying this, <clears throat> it's the people that are pushing the magazines that you read, like Cosmopolitan. It's the mainstream media that are selling you makeup and fitness and beauty products that are telling you that if you don't wear this, if you don't put on our makeup, if you don't buy our clothing, you're going to be single. No man is going to want you. And they're preying on the female hypergamous nature and the competition anxiety that women feel when it comes to competing with other women for men. And people might even say like, oh, well, the corporations are, you know, all run by men. So deep down, it is still men. And I have two issues with that statement. One, even if that were true, it's not. Spoiler alert, it's not. Even if that were true, you're talking about a very, very small subset of hyper, just to steal and rip off from um, Jordan Peterson. Um, it's a small modicum of hyper successful men that are making these small decisions and they're making these, they're, they're putting these things in motion. It's people in power. It's not the everyday guy that you meet on the street or meet on a dating app or a guy that actually wants to find a good woman and be with her. And so what this is doing, it's painting men as the enemy and it's driving men and women further apart. And I've said this from the, from the minute I've heard this, I've always supported it. I truly believe that men and women are better together than they are apart. We're complementary towards one another. So men and women are better together than they are apart. And this comes, this goes for all things. This goes for child rearing. This goes for the you know, advancement of our, our race and our species and our, like the human race. And all this movie did was talk about how men and women don't need each other and they're actually better apart. You're Ken Nuff. Hey guys, you're Ken Nuff. And it's these people that run these companies and these magazines that are telling you that you're gross and that you're, you're too fat, but you need to be a boss, babe. You need to go make all this money. This is the result. And here comes the big reveal, guys. Like This is what feminism has done to us. This is the result of feminism. This is the result of a system and a narrative that tells women that you're both better than men, but you're also oppressed by them at the same time. This is a narrative that has said, go make all the money if you're a woman, go get all the degrees, spend 20 years climbing the corporate ladder. And then when you're done, there's going to be loads and swaths of men that are going to be falling at your feet because they're just going to be so sexually attracted to your wall of degrees and all of the zeros in your bank account. And it's just not the reality. Again, the, the movie had a perfect opportunity to say, if you want to go and work and be boss babe Barbie forever and be Supreme Court Justice Barbie or be President Barbie, cool, you can do that. If you want to be stay-at-home Barbie and raise the children Barbie and take care of the home Barbie and clean the house and cook for your family and make sure they grow up healthy and strong Barbie and make sure your kids aren't maladjusted for the world Barbie, you can do that as well. But we have to end this lie. We have to end this lie that the world is telling women that you can have it all. It's just not the way that it works. 
you have to be able to make a choice. Like, I'm sorry. Like, nobody can have it. I'm not just talking to women here. I'm talking to everybody. Nobody can just have it. More importantly, women are the most disaffected when it comes from the people that are preaching this feminist nonsense, saying that you can do whatever you want and men are going to, like, it's just, you can do whatever you want, but understand the choices on the table for you and what consequences are going to stem from those choices. And it's because people, there's a lot of lack of holding people accountable these days. And I'm not going to turn this into, we need to hold women accountable. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. But the people I want to hold accountable are the people that are telling them this stuff only to profit for them. This is all, here's the thing. I, 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 I don't see how people don't get this. And if you still believe <clears throat> that the people in power in the government and the people at the top of, you know, your favorite corporations, corporate ladder and exec board, if you still think they have your best interest in mind, if they care about you, I mean, I don't know how else to show you that you have an IQ below 70. Explain it to me how 60 years ago or whenever this sort of third wave of feminism started, I don't know, 70s or 80s, essentially like the sexual revolution and, and, the, and the pill came out, that these men, because let's, let's face it, I agree that many years ago, or enough years ago, women weren't allowed to do things like hold credit cards. They weren't allowed to buy houses without a husband signing off. They weren't allowed to do a lot of things without a man present or like a husband or a brother or something present. And I get all that. I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's the reality of how things work. But the point is that for women to be able to get to a place where they are now, where they've enjoyed all of these equal rights and equal freedoms, and they're actually outpacing men in a lot of areas, college education. I mean, they're, they're actually starting to make more money than men in the corporate workplace, um, more representation than ever before in government and positions of power. But there's logically, do you really think that these men sat around in their leatherback chairs and cigars and said, hey, you know what? I'm kind of tired of being in power. I'm kind of tired of having all of these opportunities. I'm kind of tired of, you know, being the apex and, and uh, being the ruler of everything and, and only being able to have rights or certain rights that I can have that women haven't. We're just kind of tired of it. We're, we're tired of all these amazing things that we get to enjoy. Let's, let's just bring women on for a change. What, what the hell? Let's just throw them a bone. You know, let's, let's give them, you know, ammo and give them a bunch of money. Ammo isn't like ammo to fight us. Give them a bunch of money and, you know, give them a bunch of degrees so they can be on equal footing. So they can now come into government. They can come into all our eyes wide shut parties and our closed off meetings. That's not what happened. Because it would men had to step aside. Men had to pave the way for feminism. It's just the way that it was. You, men had to pave that way. And these people in power, these people in these positions did not do it because of that. They thought, hmm, how do we benefit from this? There's a huge uprising where all these women are saying, we want to be able to have credit cards. We want to be able to do this. We want to be able to do that. Well, how do we profit on this as much as humanly possible? Well, let's take a look. How does the government make its money? Taxes. How do you get more taxes? More people have to make more money. 
So you had one half of the population, men, the only half of the population that was actually working. So that was the only half of the population that you could tax. You could only tax men. You couldn't tax women because they didn't have an income. So what do you do? You drive men and women apart. You tell women that they no longer need men because they're strong and independent. You raise entire generations of women saying, men are the enemy and you better be able to stand on your two feet because men one day will leave you. So make as much money as you possibly can and get as educated as you can because men will just ditch you and not take care of you and they will leave you in the dust at the minute of a, at, at, at a hat's notice, at a drop of a hat, minute's notice. I got those backwards. And all that does is line the pockets of the people in positions of power. All it does is line the pockets of the people that are pushing beauty products and pushing fitness products on women because of this. All it's doing is lining the people that are pocketing your taxpayer dollars. It behooves these people to keep men and women apart as much as humanly possible. When people are together and when people are bonded together, if you guys didn't catch what I said last week about importance of brotherhood and groups and tribe, when people are together, and they're, they're harder to govern. When people are banded together, they're harder to tell what to do. They're harder to bring. But individuals are very easy to govern. And so every time I talk about this, everybody thinks, yeah, there you go. Everybody thinks it's like some wild conspiracy, man. Like if you know anything about the Rothschilds, if you know anything about the Rockefellers, like Mo's on it tonight, man. Like do your basic research on this stuff. There's a reason the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds have been in power and have been at the, the, the center of the money-making universe for decades. I mean, 100, 100 years at this point or more. So you guys got to wake up, man. And, and this is the thing. This Barbie movie under the guise of Barbie and flashy lights and pink and nostalgia, they've essentially dropped the feminism atom bomb. And there's going to be people out there that are going to say stuff like, Oh, but Moth, like, it's just a movie, da-da-da. Well, tell the lady that went viral on Twitter when she tweeted, I'm sitting in Oppenheimer. Saw that too, by the way. Great flick. You should check it out. She goes, I'm sitting through Oppenheimer, and it's 23 minutes in before a woman speaks. So if you're going to take that stance, and that's not just a movie, even though it's a period piece, and it's accurate to the times and the type of people that were working on the atom bomb back in the 40s, I mean, read a history book, dude. You don't get to say it's just a movie. You don't get to say it's just a movie when you talk about millions of people that have gone to see this. You don't get to talk about it's just a movie when it's made a billion dollars in revenue. Because there's going to be people that are going to, there's the young girls that are going to see this movie that are saying like, wow, the Kens are all kind of pieces of shit, huh? And I could be all of this stuff and I don't need Ken. And it's my job as Barbie, as the new and improved Barbie, to go out into the real world and fix things and change things and make it so men aren't these just creatures and these colossuses of cloud and these guys that are just, the world just falls at their feet. I was going to get into a little bit tonight about, you know, some of the stuff that Dr. Warren Farrell talks about in his book, The Myth of Male Power. I think that's, you know, time for, for another night. Um, and I've riffed about as long as I possibly can on this, but uh, I definitely want to open it up to to some callers. Let me get the join link and stuff like that ready. Um, I'm going to put the comment in the chat here so guys can start coming in. Um, if you saw the movie, let me know. I mean, and look, I, I think the movie was perfectly summed up by the very last scene. 
Barbie gets taken to this like a job interview. It actually turns out to be a gynecologist appointment. Ha ha, hilarious. But the husband of this woman, Aria, America Ferrara's character, who delivers a speech, and the the husband of this woman and the father of her young daughter makes only his second appearance on screen. The first time it was a quick little quip about, oh, should we tell dad? No, he's probably busy. And he's like sitting on the couch, like reading a Spanish book. So they two seconds of screen time there and they make him look stupid. And then he's in the passenger seat of the car that America Ferrera is driving. And then he turns around and he starts speaking Spanish to Barbie and like broken Spanish. And then his daughter, and I literally went like this. I made some gesture. I can't remember what it was. And his daughter goes, dad, that's appropriation. <laughs> it's an absolute clown world, man. Like if you guys saw the movie, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Um, if you haven't and you just want to riff on something, then then go right for it. I have somebody that says she might want to call in. So I'm going to send her the link. Is the join link while I'm doing that. So get in here, man. The join link's right here. I'm going to paste it again. If you guys want to ask questions, you want to do some Q&A kind of stuff, like I said, it's right there. I've got my assistant that's uh, kind of um, spamming the, the call and link in the chat. Let's look at this super chat real quick. Jerry Oak, $25. You're hitting a home run off. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Man, Jerry's a good guy, man. Like, so Jerry and I have been going way back. Like, I used to do these shows. I don't do much anymore, but I used to do them on this little app called Stereo, which is like an all audio app, and you don't show your face. And I've probably done like, I don't know, man, probably like close to 500 shows on this thing. So I um, got a lot of practice. And so Rich and I have gone back and forth on that app you know, before and he felt confident in, in giving me the keys to the kingdom. So I'm going to run an ad real, really, I'm going to run the ad real, really quick. Um, take a quick break, get some water and uh, we'll be back with Q&A. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplements and Grondike Soap Company. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha Supplements. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure that you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients. And unlike cheaper supplements from China in plastic bottles, mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is in an easily digestible, bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. And I use Tactical Soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical Soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and the beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Go visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Guys, check out my website at richcooper.ca for more information on booking me for coaching, my community, my courses, and a whole bunch more. You can also find all the useful links pinned below in the top YouTube comment of all my videos. Now let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. As like I said, I'm going to keep spamming this StreamYard link for guys that want to call in. So, again, if you haven't seen the movie, 
you know, if you've been chopping up on something else, there's something else that's kind of been sticking in your car lately you want to chat about, uh, please feel free. You know, if you have seen the movie for whatever reason, um, come up. I'd be happy to chat with you about it. Uh, let's grab Wahlberger because I know he did see it. And then Emmy will get to you. And then oh, he just dropped out of the stream. So, all right. Let's, I see. All right. I see some guys pulling here. Let's grab. Let's grab Emmy. Emmy, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I've been are here you the just, whole Are time. you just popping in? Oh, okay. You've been in here the whole time. I was going to ask. Did you catch the whole thing or are you just popping Absolutely. in now? Absolutely. Like, I got to do right, my do I have, before I'm... Do I have some explaining to do or or what? Are you come to I grill mean, me? What's, what's going on? The comments, I'm a bit scared to say something. But no, I mean, I, I also can't put too much input on the Barbie movie because I haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing it okay. on Thursday. So I don't want to say something that, you know. Fair enough. I may not, you know get with was there anything that i've said maybe like as a general sentiment that you might disagree with or agree with or anything like that or uh, since there's a yes in there yeah <laughs> just the definition of feminism and people okay. and i say people because men women anyone in between could be a feminist um the actual definition of feminism is the equality of the sexes which is i'm a feminist for that reason exactly like I believe men and women are equal. Men are not superior. Women are not superior. I believe if we do the same job, we should get paid equally, things like that. Um, but I will say in this day and age and social media, feminism is taken one way or another. And it's been uh, unfortunately looked at as more of if you're a feminist, you're a man hater. And that's not the case. And I kind of hate that that's like the tagline because when I say I'm a feminist, that's immediately what people think. And it's like, no. I just think you and me are the same and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I guess, I guess a couple of questions for one, like when you say men and women are equal, like what exactly do you mean? Cause I mean, can, can we agree that, can we agree that men and women are fundamentally different, like at their core? Yeah, they're different. But when it comes to things like working a job and not being paid equally, I think as if we're making, if we're doing the exact same job, same amount of effort, work ethic is put in, like there should be no reason why I'm making less than you are. And if it was roles reverse, I'm sure that men would be just as upset if a woman was making more than them. For doing well, there's the same a, I mean, there are a couple of industries where that's a thing. I mean, you look at the modeling industry and male models don't even touch what female models make. I mean, I, I, I guess my question though, like the reason I ask about fundamentally different is because would you say there are things that men are generally better at than women and things that women are generally better at than men, just from a biological standpoint? Yeah, we all have our, you know, strengths and weaknesses, I'll say. And I know that the, you know, tale as old as time is uh, basically what men are the hunters and women are basically the gatherers. And I get it, but, you know, I just feel like there's no reason that we shouldn't be seen as as equal to certain things. I mean, I'll give you credit where credit is due. And we ask for the same as a woman, I would ask for the same. But some men don't feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're talking about jobs, like I think I think one of the things that frustrates me about the, the conversation around equality is that when when I see like a woman on LinkedIn or or any social media that's saying something like, hey, listen, you know, women only represent 
10% of the CEO positions in the Fortune 500. This needs to change. We need equality. We need to be represented equally. And it's all for the name of equality. The, the reason I take an issue with that is because it's it's whenever I whenever I hear those kinds of outward statements, it's all because it's all for high status, high paying jobs. It's boardroom, it's finance, it's law, it's government, it's politics, it's fortune 500. But you don't, you don't ever hear those same cries for equality when you're talking about trash pickup or oil drillers or coal miners, or, I mean, other jobs that are extremely, you know, male dominated. And so, because if we, if we talk about, we just want equality, then we should strive for equality across all professions and sort of all areas, but, but it's not happening. So, I mean, but it's, so do you find that a little bit hypocritical where it's, if we want equality, how come we're only talking about fortune 500 positions and CEO jobs and board of directors and things like that? Why aren't, why aren't we? seeing just as much of a, a push for these other world uh, otherwise male dominated jobs no i completely agree with that i think it's i'm not in those fields of employment i'm in media myself and i mean given you know me too and all that obviously it's, it's got its own issues and whatnot but um, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, when it comes to stuff that's more male-dominated, we're not as vocal about it, or it's not just put out there as much, which, again, is the problem with the whole, like, equality issue. And that's why I think that it's so heavily seen as, like, well, women hate men, or, you know, like, because it's like, you're only going for these jobs, or you're only going for this. I, I can't speak, again, I never speak on stuff that I don't Why do you think that is, about. though? But, like, if you had to guess, why do you think that is? Why do you think we're not seeing the same push for bricklayer jobs as we are for ceo jobs CEO jobs, yeah that's a that's a great question i assume it's because that's what women are not but it's not women dominated Re realistically it's just not so they're not really competing competing against men or you know pushing that glass ceiling whereas in other jobs i guess like being a lawyer or being a ceo it's it's much harder like i said i don't work in those fields so i don't like to speak on things that you know one of my friends. No, I mean, we just had my conversation. Like, we're just, I think it's okay to speculate. Like, no, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, I, no. The point that I'm trying, the point that I'm trying to get at is that I, I don't, I don't quite see it as an equality problem because I, I think the the reason that you don't see women rushing to be bricklayers and work on oil rigs and pick up trash is because they're generally seen as very labor intensive and lower status jobs. Whereas CEO positions or positions in government are seen as well-paying high status jobs. And so my, my kind of answer to this is I kind of call B, I throw, I throw the BS flag on the equality. I, I say like, I think it's perfectly fine to say, no, like we want this job because it's high status and it's high paying and it's a highly sought after job and everybody wants this job. And I, that's totally cool. I buy that. But then to sit there and say, and I'm not saying you, but I think there are a lot of women out there that preach this and to sit there and say that I deserve to have this job simply because I am a woman and I'm underrepresented. So I need to have more stock given to me or I need to have more points or I need to my I should carry more weight in my application because there aren't as many women. Well, 
No, I would say that I would pull the BS card on that too. That goes either way. Anyone can say that. I'd say it's mainly because I'm assuming, and I hate to assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. Um, these are women who are fighting for these jobs because they've put in the time, the effort, the studies to be in that same position. I would be the same way if I was a lawyer, if I was a doctor, if I was someone that was, uh, you know, pushing to be CEO and I put in all my years, you know, I've got all my degrees and I've done all this and I'm not getting the recognition. I would also feel a certain way. Whereas if you just, if you're just saying, Hey, women aren't represented here. So I feel like I should be here. Absolutely not. That can go either way to men or women. I would hate if a man told me the same thing. Hey, I should have your job because you know what? There's not a lot of guys that are doing event event planning. Like, so why can't I have what you have? Absolutely. I'd be like, well, yeah, but here's my background. And this is why I deserve what I, the position I do hold. Where are your credentials? If you have the credentials to meet up to that, I think that it's a fair argument to say, why not me? And that goes in both ways, whether it's a guy, a girl, anything. Yeah, like I buy that because I think that's that gets to the root of what I'm talking about, where it's if we if if it becomes a merit based system, it becomes merit. You've got to earn it. And look, you could have great credentials or you could have the job experience to back it up or you could have the mahogany degrees and you still might not get that. But I don't see I don't see a lot of of feminists with this sort of attitude that are saying like, well, I worked hard and I tried my best, but I didn't get it. And that's okay because it's a meritocracy. I, I don't like, we don't have a lot of men that are saying, well, I want to be in this job because it's so female dominated that I, I deserve to have it. But there are, there are a lot of, you know, people from the feminism angle that are saying that. So, I mean, look, like I, we don't, uh, I think we agree more than we disagree, but I, I guess my question is this too, like in your opinion, then, if, if feminism is simply the belief that men and women are deserve equal treatment, and I mean, again, we can get into what equal means, and can two beings that are fundamentally different biologically ever be completely equal? Because, I mean, we see inequalities all the time when you talk about the experience of men and experience of women. Like, is it equal that men have to wait outside in long lines to get into bars and clubs or pay cover and that women get in for free? Is it... I mean, no, you know what? I love, that. I love that because I constantly have this argument with my friends all the time. Um, I'm a girl that goes to Miami a lot and not the stereotypical Miami. Uh -oh. say, red, flag. I, red flags, red flags in the chat. Flag. I know red, flag. red flags in the chat. Um, and I think that that is one of my biggest things. I recently was there like three weeks ago with my best friend who's a guy and it was the most frustrating thing because I'm like, okay, I can get in, I can get in cheaper with a promoter or whatever. And I message him like, hey, can I come with my guy friend? And they're like, oh, no, guys, sorry. Or yeah, for him, it's a hundred bucks to get in or this. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous because, uh, and it might be the feminism in me being like, it should be equal. But like, I think shit like that is ridiculous. Like, I think, it, again, it goes both ways. If I can get in for free, why can't he? He's just as good looking as I am. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to for places like that. And it's just like, I, I listen, I'm on your side when it comes to that. Yes, it should be equal and all around jobs and down to something as stupid as like getting into club live in Miami, like literally a hundred percent. But we live in reality and things are the way they are versus the way that they should be. So it's like, 
I think we can wax poetic all day about what things should be like this, but I think we're probably better off by saying this is the way the world actually works and this is what you can do to succeed as best you can. I want to I want to say something really I want to pivot to something and then I won't keep you too long because we got a couple of guys waiting. But you yeah. said um, you said um, your guy best friend. Oh, dear. Here we go. Yeah. So can you can you elaborate a little more by what you mean? Like you have a guy best friend, you have multiple guys. Like who is this guy? Like what? You know, what's <laughs> what's the story here? Because I'm I'm a believer that men and women generally, under, unless it's under very extreme circumstances, cannot and, and are not friends. Why are we not friends right now? Well, this is business to me. This is a so we you know, can't be this friends. Is a, we can't have a coworker relationship. Well, that's not friends. I'm talking about platonic friendship that doesn't involve any sort of attraction or sexual slash romantic undertones whatsoever. See, it's 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 my personal belief that I I, I don't know if someone else maybe came like this or came with this before me. But I've kind of taken this and run with it. So I think I think men and women generally fall into one of four categories. Mm -hmm. One, they're dating or sleeping with one another actively. Two is a man is pursuing her or is pursuing the woman actively, trying to sleep with her, but hasn't gotten there yet. The third, and I think this is where the majority of men fall, is that they are passively pursuing. So they're not going after her and they're not asking her out on dates. They're not making all of these passive comments or they're making comments and things like that. But if she turned around or got in the right mood and she said, Hey, do you want to, he'd say yes. And then the fourth, and this is when I, this is the only area that I think actually works for men and women that are not in sort of a, any sort of sexual romantic interaction is if they've already taken that step, if they've already slept together, they've already dated or they've already had a fling or whatever it is. But even so, of all four of those categories, none of those are strictly platonic. There's always been some sort of physical or romantic attraction slash undertone that goes along with it. Right. So I'm curious as to what about this guy who makes him your, your best friend and why you don't think maybe he falls into category three? We, well, Truthfully, it's not like we knew each other in person uh, at first. We were both streamers on an app, and uh, we got basically put into a battle together, and everyone loved watching us together, and we followed each other and became actual friends. Like, oh, you have this in common. You like this. I like this. And a bunch of other streamers started this meetup, planned this meetup months later, um, and we were included in this. And so we went and we, he had a girlfriend, but didn't tell anyone on the streaming app. So it's a very interesting story. He hid his girlfriend from you. If you, if you want some tea, I have some, it's red very flag, red flag. I mean, it wasn't a red flag. He didn't hide doing? it from me. He didn't hide it from me. It was, um, when you're streaming, obviously as a single man or woman, you, get more gifts, you make more and whatever, more fans, followers, this and that, um, than when you are dating someone. And he, the person that he was dating at the time was also on the app, but they didn't know that, no one knew that they were dating. Um, and they were both invited to the meetup. I found out because he told me because we were all meeting up in real life and he was like, you're, you're actually my friend and I kind of want you to know this. 
And um, then whatever, down the line, everyone found out um, and we continued to be friends. Everyone else in the streamer house kind of drifted apart. It was very real world. Everyone had their drama and whatnot. Um, and we stayed friends and he lives across the country and we have flown back and forth to see each other and gone on vacations with each other and all because it started as a friendship and it continued as a friendship, especially because he had a girlfriend. So I'm not that person to be like, let me just jump in and see what I can do here. No. Um, so it was actually great because speaking of dating and everything that we were originally going to talk about, um, it's really nice to have someone get to know your personality other than just looks. And, bef- you know, on that matter, it's like, even if he was single before we were friends, like this man lives across the country, like that's never going to happen anyway. So the friendship was just normal and natural because we like talking to each other and streaming together and whatnot. Um, and that's just kind of how it happened. And it's, it's stayed that way. Now he's like my brother to the point that it's like, if we were to do something, I would probably be more respectfully grossed out than I would being like attracted to it. I'd be more dry. I don't know. I think you'd be surprised at the lengths that some men would go for to, to get laid. I mean, guys will wait around for decades just looking for that chance. They might live halfway across the country and guys will bide their time forever. Listen, I mean, I'd love to keep this going. Uh, I got some other guys I want to get to. I appreciate you coming on. I want to tell you, so I made this announcement. So we're, we're moving to a more of a, a panel style show in a couple of weeks. We're going to have more of like a panel with some women. My co-hosts will be back. Um, would love to have you on and dive into this a little bit more. Okay. Um, it's been cool. I appreciate you jumping on and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, definitely. All right. Take care. Right on. All right, chat. I see you. My God, dude, you guys are just. I guess a bunch of bitchers and complainers. Now I can see why Rich keeps the fucking chat off. But shut. I'm just kidding, guys. I love you. All right, let's grab Zach. Zach, make sure you hit that. Uh, you're on mute right now. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Good. Man. What do you got tonight? Yeah, you're good. I actually saw the v- the movie uh, last night because my sister told me it was good, and I went there and there was a bunch <laughs> of girls. I, I can't, well, I, I she she's not so like feminist, right? So you never know. So I was like, well. Sure. What am I doing? I was doing. But I actually had an entirely different take than you. I actually thought all the, every time they spewed some feminist nonsense, I, and it just looked stupid. So I just took it as satire. When she did, when she did that speech, I was like, yeah, this is making feminism look really stupid. Like, that's good. But I don't think the vast majority of people have that same sentiment. I mean, if you go and look at the reviews online, it's got an 88% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score is 85%. I mean, the review it's made a billion dollars i don't think people are going to this movie because they like satire i mean i I guess i guess it could be one of two things either everyone is dumb and greta gerwig played an immensely complex practical joke on everyone and it really is satire or this is what she was really going for and it's only guys like us that can look at these things through sort of an unplugged lens that actually see it. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, that, that's what I kept thinking. I, I'm actually confused because what I will say is, if you're like, everyone I talked to after they, after they left the movie was like, Ken was the best, Ken was the best, Ken was the best, Ken, Ken was the best. He was funny. But Ken was funny, but there was like so many little things I picked up on. If you, if you remember, when he came back to Barbie land and, and switched it to the patriarchy, and when she came back, she was like, how'd you do this? He's like, oh, I just explained to them a, a, 
about the patriarchy and they just they, they just got on board. They loved it. They loved it and they had so much more fun. And they and you contrast that with with, with how the Barbies got it back. The Barbies had to like kidnap a, a Barbie, put him in the back of the van, and then she's like, I'm not a scientist. I just like to party with Ken on the beach. And then they're like, No, you're a scientist, don't you remember? He's like, she's like, Yeah, Ken probably did that for me. Ken's such a nice guy, they're like, No. And made it seem so stupid compared to Barbie Land. Like the patriarchy looked cool, from at least from what I was seeing, compared to the way Barbie Land was. Because Barbie Land was just like, we don't even know where Ken lives. He lives on the beach. I don't know where he is. Like he's not coming inside. Yeah, he does beach. His job is yeah. beach. He does beach. And I'm not. I had a couple of notes in terms of the stuff I noticed in the movie. If you go to the real world, when he goes to apply for those jobs, they're just like, no. Uh, no, you you can't. He, he goes to the beach and says, I want to be a lifeguard. And they say, can you swim? He's like, oh, no, I just do the beach. And then they're like, yeah, you can't be here. Like, that's not how it works. So I view that as like the reality of a man, which is like you just get shut down all the time. Like you just get shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down. And then you. I do think, I think, I do think there is a large subset of men that do have this sense of entitlement when it comes to things. It might not be jobs, but I think it's certainly when it comes to women and dating and they just say like, hey. I, I, it's it's the guy saying, "Please, I, you need you should date me. I deserve a girlfriend, or I deserve sex because I'm a nice guy." That that's what I see. So I like I don't see that as self aware. Like again, I, it could go either way. Like my my whole thing is like this is either the most brilliant satire of all time, and everyone's dumb except us, or my, if I had to bet my life savings, it'd be on the latter. That this is actually a feminist propaganda. This is actually what she thinks the world really looks like and the way the world really works. And it's like, she's also a, a, a female director in Hollywood. Like how much more bias could you possibly want? I totally agree with you. I, I don't know if they're, if they would, they try to satire so hard that they made it seem like cool or are they actually like pure friends? I just thought like everyone that I talked to over the past couple of days since seeing it or like since last night seeing it, everyone's like, Kennedy, Kennedy, we want to be like Ken. Ken's house is so cool. Like when Ken, when, when Ken takes over yeah, the what Barbie do they call house, it? it's like the Mojo Dojo oh, Casa House. There's another scene where he's like, this is the Mojo Dojo Casa House. And then, the, and then the mom's like, you don't have to say Casa House twice. Like, it's stupid. He's like, it sounds cool. We're making the Mojo Dojo Casa House. And like, everyone wanted to be, everyone wanted to be in the Mojo Dojo Casa House doing pull-ups and listening to music and going to the beach, right? So it, compared to Barbie Land, Barbie Land was just stupid, right? Like, it made, I think it made it look really stupid that Barbie Land was like so, like so backus and then, uh, they didn't even drink water. They were just like this, and they are right. just kind of weird, right? I, I, I'm just I, just, I see like half the internet like loves it for ten different reasons, and half the internet hates it for ten different reasons. So I thought it was a, a very good film for that reason because you can get like a bunch of different meanings from it depending on how you. Yeah, how you I mean, saw it. I mean, Mark, Mark has an interesting point here. He's like, he made it ambiguous on purpose so they could have it both ways. I mean, again, like maybe if so, genius, and you've got to tip your cap. I just don't think I, I really do think that the people that live in this Hollywood, Holly world, insulated sort of community or just this world that none of us can touch. I think they're so detached from actual reality that this is actually how they think. And this is actually how they think the world really is. Because that moment from it, but because I, I think the culmination of the movie, if you didn't, I, I think without the America Ferrer speech, it could easily have been satire, but that is like the defining moment of the entire film where, I mean, I'm hearing that theaters are getting, giving standing ovations when this part oh, comes out sure. in the theater. There's definitely a so bunch of like, like fat, fat without, that, 
Yeah. Okay. But it's like, yeah. But without that, like, I could see how this is like, okay, like, this is just satire that they never really reveal it's satire or it's just, but that is like, there's, there's no satire in that piece. I think that's the, I think that's the actual truth of the film. It's, okay, so there was another scene where the, where the weirdo Barbie's like, you want to go to the real world or you want to stay in Barbie land? And then she's like, I actually want to go to the real world. They're like, no, 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 you want to stay in Barbie land. Like, it wasn't a real choice. Like, what are you doing, right? And I thought that was interesting because it's like, we're just giving you a choice, right? And then they don't give them a choice when they, when they try and choose. So I thought that was, I was like, maybe that's satire. Maybe that's, I don't know what they're doing. But they did a good job of, because if, if anyone's on the fence, like if any guy's on the fence and maybe he feels a little bit disrespected or whatever, like this, this film will give him some, you know, some mojo dojo kind of thing. And there's also that character, Alan, by the way, which you didn't mention. The character yeah. Alan actually, in my opinion, represents the um, literally like neutered male who does nothing. And he's like, they're building a wall now to keep you guys out. Like he's like ratting the Kens out to Barbie about stuff. And I, I thought that was a very interesting character to have there. That was like the, the most neutered, impossible male. That didn't but then do he anything. ends up saving the day. He like kicks all the Ken's asses. So like, what message is that sending? You can just be a complete neutered loser, and like you're gonna, you're one one day your time will come to save Barbie. So just keep keep being that basement dwelling loser, and one day your opportunity to shine will come. You, hey, Alan, it's coming. If you're Alan, that's probably what you think. So in a way, I agree with you. Like, if you're an Alan type of person, you're like, one day, like, they'll respect me. One day, like, you know, my time. Like, revenge of the yeah. type shit. Exactly. I think the last part I'll tell you before, I, before I let someone else get on is, at the end, why would they leave in the part where she's, like, going to the gynecologist to get her genitalia, like, fixed or whatever? whatever that means. Like, to me, that means, that means no matter, after all that, she chose the real world, despite the construction workers, despite the... Guy apparently slapping her ass in the middle of the day, which never happens. Like all this like crazy stuff. <laughs> but I think it's because she wants to change and save the real world. She saved Barbie world. She got it back to the way it's supposed to be. Feminism rules all, and men and women are separate. And she gets to live in her house and have Ken's fawning all over her for the rest of eternity. She now goes to the real world, where because they say at the very beginning of the movie, the whole mission of Barbie is to create a matriarchal world and the shock that she realizes when she gets to the real world is that those efforts have failed so she's sort of fulfilling the prophecy in my opinion of i fixed barbie land barbie world now i need to go to the real world and i need to install the same thing that i have in barbie land into the real world that's the way i i didn't think about that way i i, I guess i have and i don't think that's a wrong way to think about it i just thought it was more like i'm getting my genitalia back so i can have kids and be a mother because remember there, the, I, there was another funny line where they were like oh uh that america fair is like there should be a regular barbie that's ordinary for people that want to have kids and then, and then will ferrell's like they'll never sell and the guy in the background's like actually uh, it would make money right and they go okay we're doing it yeah we're gonna do it so it just shows you that like they like mattel doesn't want doesn't know what's going on and uh you know a lot of the women actually don't even know what's going on because they don't even know what they what they want um but yeah i i, I thought your analysis was uh Interesting, especially given that a lot of things I saw, you saw, but you saw them from a different angle. Um, I might rewatch it again. I could be wrong. I could be wrong too. I, I just think there was too much, like it was either maximum cringe to the point of being satire, or it's like 99% cringe, but not so much that it's satire. I don't even know what to yeah. do with it. It's, I think it's, and it's like, we're talking about this Greta Gerwig, like she's the next Alfred Hitchcock. It's it's insane. Dude, thanks yeah. for jumping out, man. I appreciate you joining. No problem. Anytime. Have a good one. All right, bro. Later. All right.
dude, great. Look, good points, man. Like, look, I, I think it's one of one of two ways. Like, that's an interesting point about the end because I think Wahlberg had the same thing. He's about, I'm about to bring him up where he just like Barbie wants to to be a mother and have kids, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on that, and maybe I'm just a cynic, man. Like, maybe I naturally just think that there's not a gray area or a common ground. I don't really truly believe that. I just have such a hard time that after the 90 plus minutes, the two hours that I sat through at the very end, it finally turns the corner where it's like, Oh, but Barbie wants to be like a mom now. And and maybe my pessimistic self just goes, Oh, she wants to go to her gyno to get a, to get a V installed. So now she can become a real woman. I don't necessarily see because she wants to have, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, man. Like I, I don't necessarily see it that way, but I think it's definitely an interesting theory. All right, let's uh, let's get to my man Wahlberger here. What's up, dude? Hey, brother, how you doing? You're a little bit quiet on the audio. Can you crank it up a little bit? Now you're on mute. Is that better? Now you're still really quiet. You got like, headphones or something you can put in? No, I got nothing, dude. You got nothing. Is that better? It's super, super low. Like on, are you on your phone by chance? Something covering the mic? Yeah, dude, I get, not, I can't hear anything, man. I'll be right back. All right, yeah, let me pull you out. See if you can fix that. Let's see if I'm missing anything in the chat. Cowboy says, "Great job, Moff. Got to hit the rack." Cowboy, thanks for tuning in, man. I appreciate that. Let's see if there's anything else. Tracy says, "I know plenty of men who are friends with women they don't find attractive." or who are unavailable. I mean, I don't believe that for a second. Like, Tracy, again, like, A, you'd have to back that up. B, I think you guys are really underestimating how low a guy will stoop for sex (laughs) and that kind of gratification. Um, I mean, if you take a look at any Evo psych, if you read anything by David Boss, for example, you know, you can see that men tend to lower their standards of attractiveness for short-term mating and short-term dating over long-term. So it could just be that he's keeping her around as an option or as a maybe one day she'll be single or she'll get drunk and then it'll turn into, not to quote RT here, but um, I was drunk, he was cute, and one thing led to another. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that for sure. Mark says, the end result is they're going to make more girl power, female-led films like this. Now they have the financials to back it up. I can see it, man. Uh, again, like I said, I mean, I can definitely see that. They're like, this is this is the green light. I, I don't think it'll have the same staying power because like I said in the very beginning, the marketing was not about feminism. It was not girl power. It was Barbie. What they were selling was Barbie. They're not selling feminism. And that's the genius of the marketing is that in the trailer, there was nothing about this war of Barbies versus Ken's of the patriarchy. It was all about, hey, like Barbie's going to go on a fun, weird, quirky adventure into the real world. Let's see what zany adventure she gets into. Like it was positioned and marketed as this just happy-go-lucky comedy you know, and, and what we got was something completely different. So I don't necessarily buy this notion that this is going to be, this is going to open the floodgates for other movies like this, because I don't think, you know, there are very few brands 
that have the recognition with the female demographic from ages five to 75. I mean, very few. If there's another one out there, I haven't heard of it. Modern feminism is not about... Modern feminism is not about female libertarian. Yeah, look, I, I buy that too, man. Like, I, I buy that. I that's what I that's what I said. I think the people that are in power that are pushing this narrative are doing so because it lines their pockets. And if you can drive men and women apart, if you can, I mean, we all know what you get if you get married on your taxes. You get a nice little tax break. So if you want to minimize that as much as humanly possible, drive men and women apart. Tell women they don't need men. They need to make as much money as humanly possible, and they need to buy their own houses. So now we get to double the amount of property tax we charge. I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time, man. And people just think I'm a tinfoil hat wearer. I really, really don't get it, dude. Like, guys, a call. Here, I forgot to call. I forgot to put the um, join link here. So we're going to go about 15 more minutes. I'm going to see if Wahlbarker can, can figure his stuff out. But if anybody else wants to jump in, anybody has a question, anybody has uh, any question about the channel and, like, what we're doing, I'll, I'll kind of rehash that for the guys that weren't watching at the beginning. So I'm hosting this week. I'm also hosting next week. Uh, Rich is still in Italy on vacation and he is on European time at this point. So we could not find a time slot that worked for both he and I as far as doing the show. So I'm running it this week. I'm running it next week. Same time slot. It's not going to be at 1030, like I said last week. And the following week, the 21st, is when we're going to start the new double show format. So 7 p.m., uh, going to be the regular Unplugged Alpha show like you see here with content and then call-ins. Um, I suspect we'll still have some ladies calling in, not all the time, but we'll still have some a good mix. And then that'll go for about an hour and a half to about 8.30 EST. And then we'll take a short 15-minute sort of break, and then we will um, go kick off ladies' night. So that's going to be every week. It's going to start around 8.45 Eastern. That'll probably go until you know 10.30, 10.45, something like that and uh, go from there. So it's not going to be on a different channel. We're not creating a ladies night channel. It's still going to be on the unplugged alpha. We are going to do some different branding and some different thumbnails just to kind of um, make things look and feel a little bit different, but I've already got a ton of, you know, ladies that said they would, would come on um, in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. And, and look like a lot of guys got confused about what we're doing and why we're doing it as far as ladies night goes. We are not in the business of dunking on women. We're not in the business of bringing women on to make them look stupid. Rich and I had long discussions about the direction of this and what we ultimately want to achieve as a goal. And at the end, we still want to help people, man. You know, and if that's bringing on women that are open to hearing different perspectives and maybe learn a thing or two, then great. If there's women that come on and they don't learn and they're stubborn and they don't think they have to change, then that's fine too. If there are guys that we help out because we're not just bringing on, you know, girls from one tiny corner of the world that fit one stereotypical mold. Um, we're trying to bring women from all over the country and potentially the world. So um, I think it's going to take off. I think it's going to be really great, man. I, I think you guys are really going to love what you see. I know we've only had one show, but uh, I think we're, we're poised for some, some major success. Let me, I see a couple of guys are added here. Let me grab Wahlberger real quick. And then I'm trying to get to the rest of you guys. Uh, Phil and Jay Riz, I see you guys. I'm going to grab Wahlberger, see if his audio is better. Test one, two, three. Test, test, test. You got me? Yeah, it's super low still, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's marginally better than before. It's like super low. I can't. I mean, if you have headphones or something, you can use. But any, like in the chat, can you guys hear him at all? Like, am I the, maybe it's just my audio or like, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down if you can hear him or not. 
would be working. Oh, it's really, really low on my. If, if anybody else, like if the other guys can hear you, then then that's fine. But I don't. I'm not seeing any. It's everybody. Yeah, everybody's saying it's low, weak audio. Hey, jump on another device. I'll be right back, Bob. All right, give it a shot, man. Let's get to Phil. What's up, my dude? Hello, I'm off. What's happening, brother? What you got? Uh, I like to think of myself as a an optimist, I guess. So I often like this channel out of all the ones that I think does the best job of keeping it cordial, let's say, or focused on it. So like, I want to be more of an optimist to think that like, do, what do we do to make this better? Right? like the focus is, you know, the other podcasts I won't name. It's all like you said, bringing on those types of women and making it seem like the world is worse than it is. Not that it's good. So like, what do we do? Like myself included as men, like, yes, I get the, become your mental point of origin and stuff but how do we break because uh, there's so much of the opposite going on like barbie movie is the example of there's so much volume of the opposite going on what do we do to change the tide if at all like do you even think it's possible i mean i don't think we're gonna see i think it's gonna get worse before it gets better i think this is just the tip of the iceberg i think this i think this movie will have Will, will reverberate. I think this movie will have a lasting impact. I don't think this is going to be a, a one trick pony. I, I guarantee this thing is going to spurn sequels and it's, I mean, they're going to milk this thing for all it's worth. The movie made a, mil, a billion freaking dollars. You know what I mean? So, but as far as trying to change the tide and change the narrative, like it's the same thing that men's rights activists have been asking for years when it comes to the family law system and how do we make it so guys don't get railroaded in divorce and child court or, and have to pay obscene amount of support and alimony um, and, and essentially wreck themselves over a contract that one side is incentivized to break. Um, I, I don't, I don't think there's a, we do this and we fix everything. I think it goes back to what I talked about last week and the importance of brotherhood and tribe and you sit there and you find the people in your life that you care about and you draw a circle around those people and everyone else is outside the circle and they've got to earn their way in. And so you draw a perimeter around the people that you care about and the people that you will give resources to and they draw a circle around they, their people. And maybe that'll include some people that aren't in your circle and then continues on. It's, I, I see it as more of a, I was kind of, telling somebody that was unfamiliar with the H-bomb, how it actually works. So the difference between the atom bomb is the atom bomb is one big kaboom. The hydrogen bomb is a bunch of tiny little explosions that sort of compound upon themselves. So it's the, the difference between the A-bomb and the H-bomb is the A-bomb is one big rock thrown into the pond and the H-bomb is a thousand smaller rocks. The first big rock makes a big splash but all of the tiny little rocks have a much wider effect. So I look at it as taking care of you and your people first. They will in turn take care of themselves and their people and so on and so on and so on and so forth. I have no interest in saving the West. I have an interest in taking care of the people that I've considered people in my tribe and my circle and reserving my time, effort, resources to them, not to strangers, not to people that I don't care about, not to people that, I'll never speak to or meet or ever hear about or know their name. So I think if we got away from this, we need to save everybody everywhere all the time. If you read that article that I posted, I don't care by Jack Donovan, 
Yeah, it tells exactly why that's such an insane fantasy that these people have. And it's because they don't ever actually actually have to live up to that or do any work. So the key is to build your tribe, draw a circle around that, keep everyone else out, and then slowly your tribe will build their own tribe and continue on so on and so forth down the line. But I don't, yeah. I don't think we'll see any widespread changes or anything that's going to be in our lifetime for sure. I think this is multiple generations away. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up because, I mean, I'm a father, right? My son's nine, so I'm doing my best to be there. And at least in my experience, and maybe I, I try not to go too far into the mana swamp. I try to stay to, you know, this one to, for trying not to get too diluted and all over the place because there's information and there's crap everywhere. So it's like I don't see a lot of, and I'd like to know your opinion, is there more that in the red pill we can do to help raise up the next generation? Because, you know, like – the other side is doing that, like in the indoctrination of schools, like up here in Canada, they're literally trying to take away rights of parents. So can we utilize that same strategy for the good on our end? You know, I don't see a lot of that. We do a lot of the intersexual dynamics aspect of it, which is important and it's sexy, right? I get it. Everyone wants it. But, you know, I'd like to see more and maybe I'm just blind because I don't go out of that. What do we do for the next generation? How do we help the this men and women too right because i'm like you guys i want to see men and women come together it's not us versus them but how do we help the next us to raise that next generation to be better you know what i mean i think about that often with my son like i want to give him the opportunities and train him in the ways that i never was because of my unfortunate circumstances you know what i mean but i don't see i can't even think of a resource i've heard that's been given on this channel or others that's like okay this is a good way to be a parent to the next generation because i think that's we're missing a big mark in that right if you can teach that the next generation then it starts that ball rolling in the right direction you know what i mean yeah i mean look i, I still think it boils down to banding together with guys that share that same vision i mean i know like in the one percent community for example like one of the guys recent convert was on last week and he's like they started a parenting subgroup spinoff and they get together and they talk about this stuff and they say hey these cool. are my experiences and a lot of guys have got kids and a lot of guys share the exact same sentiments of what the hell do i do how do i raise my kid in a world how do i raise my my son in a world that teaches him from birth that he is the enemy and he is to be mistrusted and distrusted simply for the fact he was born a man um and then how do you navigate this world if you have a little girl where all she sees is people encouraging her to sexualize her body and sell herself for, you know, attention and, and goes to see the Barbie movie and says, you're better without men. Um, it, it's tough, man. Like, I mean, yeah. so, I, I, but my, but my position remains the same. It, it's, it's all about building that tribe and building your own community. And then, if you know, you, you become so intertwined in that, that, the outside influence is much tougher. The outside influences that govern you are far more powerful if you're apart. I talked about this earlier. Like when people are apart, they're easily, they're more easily controlled. When people are together, not so much. That's why these people in power and the powers that be are trying to keep us separate. They don't want you to get together and talk about this stuff. Yeah, they, sure. they want to shame you for saying, hey, I don't want my son to, I don't want my daughter to get an OnlyFans. I don't want my son to, not lift weights because you guys think it's toxic masculinity. So, I mean, it, it's, it still goes back to my original answer. It's like, maybe there isn't a resource and maybe it's time for us to create one. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that kids learn most by what they see, right? So we have to become the example. Like I a million percent believe in that with my son. I Since I've been red-pilled, for lack of a better word, I see the change in my son's behavior huge, which is amazing, right? Because as much as the external world is going to affect them, it does, you're still their primary uh, like influencer in their life for the first you know, 14 years. So if you can get totally. at least my goal and it is if I can become that person, that's a good role model for him and develop still like the loving, trusting side that I'm the one he comes to in times of you don't want to be so I heard it once and I loved how it said with parenting. And I want to say this for the parents out there is you don't want to be too disciplinarian or too loving either way in either direction is terrible, right? Like too disciplinarian, they will go other places to find the love and acceptance, which is usually gangs, drugs, whatever, right? Too loving, they become soft and weak and they fall into the conditioning as we know. So it's that dance between finding like when to be disciplinarian and when to be loving. They need both so that they come to you instead of to the world when it comes to these things, right? And I've done a pretty good job of it in this, but it's difficult because we have Barbie movies and all this stuff that eventually my son, he's only nine now, eventually he's going to grow up and he's going to have his own influences and other things. Right. So it's, uh, it's difficult. Right. But I think that's where a huge key in the red pill is, is we need to the next generation. Why do you think the other side tries so hard to indoctr indoctrinate children at such a young age here? They were trying to make them teach them about the transgender at like in grade three, like they don't even understand what that means at that age. Right. But there's a reason they're doing that. They're indoctrinating early. So we got to do the same. Right. Well said, my friend. I think you're yeah. on to something. I'm going to get some of the other callers, man. But good to see you, man. Always good to hear from you. That's good enough. Have a good night. All right, brother. Be good. Phil's a good guy, man. I like that dude a lot. Guys, if you see down here in the ticker, if you're interested in learning more about the entrepreneurs in cars.com slash community, the 1% community, the 10% community, um, it's where we build our tribe, man. We get together, we do stuff. You know, I did a whole show about it last week. I'm not going to talk more and, and go on a whole ramp about it because we still got some calls I want to get to. But um, yeah, man, if you're looking for a place where you can get together and talk about this and, and chat with other guys that have similar ideas and you don't have a resource where everywhere you look, everybody wants to take your kids and make them drink the Kool-Aid and make them eat the bugs and make them wear the wigs and, and you say, that's, I'm not going to stand for that, then Maybe time for you to find a tribe where you've got some support, man. So you guys can always DM me here. I'm still used to getting this screen. DM me on Instagram to learn more about the community, get some more info. Um, and if you're interested, we'll, we'll get you set up. All right. We've got a couple more guys. We'll get to Wahlberger. Let's go ahead and see if this audio is fixed. All right, man. You got me? All right. We're solid. Yeah, man. Loud and clear. All right, brother. You good? Yeah. All right. You can hear me well? Solid. Nice. Excellent. All right. Sorry about that. So, Moff, I got to say, man, you're the reason why I went to that damn movie. I saw you post. You're welcome. Barbie, and I took some time off work. And went, I'm not giving you a refund. I'm not giving you your money back. I'm not I'm not doing that, just so you know. At 11.15 a.m. Uh, uh, matinee, and I went in there, and it was packed. Okay, absolutely jammed. There was like. It's still selling out two weeks later, yeah. Absolutely. So this is going to be a phenomenon. There's no doubt about it. Right. Um, that's just what's going to happen. So um, but it was metaphorical. It was pure satire, Moff. Uh, I want to address and I found it absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious, which I did not think I went in begrudgingly. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I did think it was good. Let me explain why. OK, 
and first of all the character arc right off the, the top they have the the little girls bashing the babies which was unbelievably cringe and up comes the idea of of uh, barbie there in the space odyssey fashion right so um she was she became that idea and that was the start of the movie at the end she actually says to the to ruth who's my mother that's my mother's name by the way so that was weird uh but uh said that i i don't want to be the idea that was created i now want to be the creator and then she goes to the gynecologist so she becomes this she's this idea initially and then in the end she wants to be a mother right so and and the ridiculousness of everyone in that show everyone is absolutely around the bend the what they wear to what they say it is pure 100% satire. You cannot take that seriously on the face of it. However, what they're pointing out is how ridiculous this clown world is that we live in right now. And the only three real characters in that show was the mother, the daughter, and the father. Everybody else was pure, absolute satire. So, and yeah, But even that's walking the line because... You had a 14-year-old girl calling Barbie a fascist. Yeah. You had this this mother who works a desk job go all, you know, need for speed, fast and furious on the highway, bouncing curbs and doing freaking donuts and stuff like that. And then you had the dude in the front seat tell, being told by his daughter that he's appropriating the language because he speaks broken Spanish. Like – I would love to agree. I would I yep. would love to say this is like the ultimate satire and tip my cap. Yeah. I just everything that I know about like again, let me it's one of two things. They're either complete genius and they fooled the entire world, or this is really what they think. And just the prevailing sentiment around Hollywood and that world that they live in. It, I, it just, it seems too far-fetched that th this is not what this woman and this director actually believes. Yeah. Let me address uh, a couple of your things there. So in regards to the girl, the teenager, I'm telling you, my friend, and this is a scary portion of this world right now, is that is how 14-year-old girls are right now. Well, I think it's the point, yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. Like, that is how they... And that's not satire. That's how yeah. it's real. Right. Okay. So, so that, but like I'm saying, the three real characters, mother, daughter, father. And like you said, the father not wanting, just staying at home and learning Spanish. Well, let, let me ask you if, if you had the option of going to Barbie land with your wife and daughter or staying home and learning Spanish, what would you choose? I'd stay home and learn Spanish, man. Right. Like, yeah, but. Did it? Did they say in the show that he knew what they were doing, or that like? Oh no! And, and because that's the thing—he didn't know they were going to Barbie Land. He was just dumb husband staying at home with his little picture book. Well, what it is is mother daughter going off to do whatever thing that they're doing, and ninety percent of the time, dude, you want to don't want to be involved with those. Let mommy and daughter go off and do their thing while you do your man thing at home or with your sons. The biggest role model to a, a child is their same sex parent. So let them go do that, right? So, so yeah, but I don't think they, I don't think they framed his character in that way. I think they framed his character as dumb, dumb that stays home and doesn't get involved because he can't handle it. Not like this guy's holding down the fort and taking care of man shit. 
well, I think what he was, he was, it's a Barbie movie. How much would a guy want to be involved with Barbie whatsoever? I didn't even want to go to this damn movie, right? Like a, a, a guy hearing anything about Barbie is going to say, I'm out. So and that's what that character was. He wasn't really involved until the end, right? When he's driving them. And then of course the girl gives that little snippet, which they do, these 14 year old girls. But I want to ask you something, Mop. Okay. Did you notice anything about the teenager as the movie progressed? This is oh, I mean, she became more open and accepting about the Barbie lifestyle. How did she look? Did you notice how she looked as she went? She started up? dressing more bright. She she was wearing pink. Right. She well, what I really noticed when we first see her at the school, she's dark and brooding and obnoxious, rude, yes. fascist, blah blah blah. As she goes forward in the story, you notice that her hair is done, her her makeup's done. She's starting to look pretty. And by the end, she's actually connected with her mother as well as uh, she looks very feminine and, and sweet, right? Which, are, which is a dark contrast from what's happening with our youth today. They are like that uh, brooding, dark, you're a fascist, you're putting me down, overthinking stuff. And doing that, so so she actually progressed during the movie to be, become connected with her mother. So I thought that that was a, a really good portion of the movie, and and also, you know, the whole thing was absolutely hilarious. Like I'm getting serious with some of these points, which is bizarre considering how the movie looks. Right, like it looks crazy. To talk about the, um, like when they go back to the world initially. And, and uh, they go past those construction workers and they hoot and holler at her. And then in the end, she actually, with that little exchange, she says, well, he doesn't, I don't have any genitalia and neither does he. What do the construction say after construction workers say after they said, oh, that's okay. Like they didn't care. They, they just, just, that's okay. Like, so they were actually enlightened construction workers. They weren't complete dicks. Right. So the whole thing is showing how ridiculous both sides are right now. Like Ken is hilarious, but an absolute clown, which there's no way you would get a, a woman one way or the other. If you act like that. Yeah. He's funny, but don't be a clown, right? Don't be a Ken. You gotta be a Chad. The Barbies live in this delusional weirdo world, right? Which doesn't work on their side either. And it's just absolutely, and as well, the corporate side with Will Ferrell. But it does work on their side. With Barbie World, it works. It's always worked. That's that's the whole point. Like, the beginning, it's nothing but a utopia. The only time that it fails is when the time-space continuum is broken. And this is one thing that I also didn't bring up. It's so convenient that one of the things that often doesn't get talked about when, when women are like, well, we can be doctors. We make like early on in the movie, we make our own money. We have our own houses. It's called the Barbie house. And I call it the Ken house. We have all of this stuff. We drive our own cars, but who built the Barbie house? Who constructed the roads that you're driving on? Who, yeah. who goes in, 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 you know, gets the oil out of the ground that you put into your car. All of these, this, this freedom and all of these freedoms that these Barbies enjoy or that, that women enjoy today, the reason your water comes on when you turn on the faucet and your light comes on when you flip a switch and your trash gets picked up every week off the curb is because of men. Yes, yes. And the infrastructure that, we've, that men have built is what gives Barbies and women this 
this this idea of they don't need a man, whereas everything they do on a daily basis is completely reliant on them making sure that that infrastructure stays in place. Right. But you're 100% correct. But what happened in the movie, Moff? Time went on, and what happened to her? She started to actually start thinking of things of death. She was hitting the wall. That's what that does. So they have that period of time where they live in that Barbie land exactly like that. But then time will change that. So during that period of time when they were living like that and the Kens were silly and stupid and they were just living their best lives and every night is girls' night, right? Eventually the time runs out where your feet go flat and you get the cellulite. That is very true. So there's a time period where that happens, but it ends. And that's what that represented there. Like it, it was going to end. It doesn't, and it ends for every woman, every woman that no one is, is saved by that. Like, and so what, what happens when, when she went to the real world? So, and it's actually, this is going to get a little bit ridiculously biblical on this. It's like the garden of Eve situation. If you remember when she goes to the, goes to the world, and she's sitting next to that old lady and she looks at her and she realized and, and she looks around and she says, I feel numb, but also really good. That's like uh, Adam and Eve when they bite the apple. OK, they lived in paradise. Then they bite the apple and they see the world for what it really is. And she looks around. She sees the trees. She sees some people arguing. She sees this old lady and she says, you know what? You're beautiful. So she took it for what it actually was. It wasn't this fantasy land that she lived in before. Now she's in the real world and now she can appreciate it for what it is. So this is metaphorical satire. And, and I really think it's an important thing. Like it is, and it's hilarious. It's a funny, funny movie. Like him saying uh, when he comes back to, to Barbie land and says, well, I thought the horses were in charge. But then I just realized those were men extenders. I think that was absolutely hilarious. And, and so at the end of the movie, too, when they state what is really important, they're, they're making their point home. What happens with Barbie Land is very beautiful, this strange world that's all gorgeous, everything's perfect. And, uh, and what do they show is when, when she holds the hand of, of Ruth, what does she see? She sees home footage of real videos of families, of kids, of all these things, and which is the thing that takes her to want to be in the real world. Because those gritty images, those things are what life is really all about. It's not about the pretty Barbie house and everything being perfect or all the guys being Ken's and having exactly what they want. And frankly, what they did is they actually gave away the women's playbook in regards to what they do to guys. That is absolutely very accurate in what they show. That is how they roll. So they actually gave away the playbook. And in the and also when when they go back and Barbie takes over her house, did you notice whose name was on the door? No, I must have missed that. Ken. Ken's name was still. Oh, well, yeah, it wasn't gone yet. Yeah. And the horses, his name, no, she had made all the changes. It was done. His name was on the door. The horses were still on the light. So, you know, what I think this movie does is it says that we're living in this ridiculous clown world, this playland that people are playing around in, but where 
where life really gets right is in the nuance of everything. It's in the nuance. And we are living in those, in that Ken and Barbie world right now. We're so separate. We've got to get back to the nuance. And so again, and you talk about that argument that, or that uh, monologue that the mother had with all of the different Barbies. Who was there? It was all a bunch of Barbies. They were all there. Do you know why? Because they do it to themselves. Men don't do that to them. They're lamenting to themselves about what they do. And they do do that. Believe me, they, they do. They do drive each other around the bend about these different standards. But it's not men who do it. I don't think right. it, was any, it was just the women who were there that, that heard it. So well, it's the it's yeah, it's not the men that are holding women to these ridiculous standards. I mean, men don't have these kind of standards for women. Like women impose them on themselves because of what they read in magazines and they see on TV and what's being marketed to them and that kind of thing. Look, man, look, I, part of me buys what you're saying. At the same time, and, and a couple of guys have made this comment in the chat, and then I want to say this and, and kind of let you go. But sure. like. Let's say you're correct and everything you said is right. And Greta Gerwig is a satire, a satirical genius. The net effect of this movie is not, hey, everyone, this is ridiculous. It is men are the enemy and women are the heroes. I, I, I think the average person in the general public is not going to be able to go into this. You can look at the reviews. You can look at the audience score. You can look at how. People are ranting and raving about this movie. No one is talking about the movie like this, like we are. Everyone is talking about what an amazing commentary it is on feminism and women's rights and how this and that and the other. And so if her, in, if, if her intended effect was satire and to showcase how ridiculous it is, no one got that. Everybody missed the memo. Okay, well, or if she's going for mass appeal, this was her actual aim the whole time. Okay, so, so let's take a look. At the very end, what is the final conclusion? She goes to the gynecologist. For what reason would she go? Why would you go to the gynecologist? Because you want to become be a real woman. I mean, if you want to talk about in mainstream, people go to the gynecologist and they get artificial vaginas made for them because they decide they want to be a woman. Maybe it's, maybe it's a commentary on that. Maybe it's a kind of commentary on transgenderism. Well, I, but I think, but I think that and therein lies the issue. Like, I think nuance gets lost because people aren't nuanced these days. So even even if that's right, like, I, I could grant you everything you're saying. I'm still a little more cynical. I I, I deep down don't think it's satire, but even if it is, I don't think that the movie will hit. If it is satire, the movie will it completely miss its mark with the vast majority of its audience, and it's going to do far more harm that it is good or it's going to do the opposite of what the director intended. I have to disagree. I think over time, I think right now you're right, but I think over time there's going to be conversation. What is also interesting is that I went there by myself and I was sitting next to a couple of older ladies. And so after the movie, I went, I, I asked them, I said, did you like the movie? I said, yeah, it was great. It was whatever. Then I went to grab some lunch and then we ran into each other again. They said hi to me and they wanted to talk. So we started talking about this, which created a discussion about all of what we're discussing now. And so if it creates conversation under a guise of laughter and ridiculousness, then that is good. And that's what I, I think don't think that's what's happening. That's my point. I don't think it's creating conversation. It's just like 
were so empowered. The speech was amazing. Like, oh my God, I wish I could show my daughter this or this. I, I'm beaming with pride and I started crying in the theater as a woman because this is how I felt my entire life. This is, it's, it, if it's satire, it's completely missing the mark. That, well, that's my whole point. I don't think it's having, I don't think it's, I think it's spurning conversations like this, but yeah. I think we're in the vast minority. Oh, we are. And I think the reason why right now, Moff, is because the vast majority of people going to see the movie right now are women. So, sure. so we're not going to have that back and forth male, male or female right now because guys right now aren't, aren't going to it. But I think over time they will. Some dumbasses like you and me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see, man. I bet you're going to generate some money for this damn movie. This is going to happen. You know, we'll and, see, and- man. How, how ridiculous is it? The outfits, the way they act. Come on. How ridiculous and funny. How can you take that seriously in many ways? Because, I mean, that fur coat that the dude wears. Come on. Right? And well, again. Because it's a Barbie thing. Grudgingly. I did not want to go see this movie, man. And I walked out appreciating the metaphorical. Of it. And remember, the start of the movie was her being this uh, idol to these girls smashing dolls. And in the end, she's going to the gynecologist to to be potentially a mother think of that character arc okay I, again <laughs> i think we're gonna have to respectfully disagree or respectfully agree awesome. to disagree awesome. but time will tell that's the best and you know what i love that i love having that conversation okay. and that we can sit here and disagree and we'll debate this and you know what this is going to be a big situation billion whatever dollars that it's bringing in we're gonna have to end with this uh this movie slash propaganda one way or the other because it's here right time will tell man time will tell all right dude gotta let you go pleasure as always cheers bro all right man begin all right always a always a hoot having a wall burger on the pod man um i got time for a couple more i really i want to try to wrap up around like 10 i'm not going any longer than like 10 after 10 man so let's i got two more guys that are waiting let's get andre and um, and go from there. Andre, what's up, buddy? Hey, Moff. How's it going? What's happening, bro? Um, I wanted to comment on your previous discussion there with that gentleman, and I also wanted to share a little bit of my own opinion on the conversation so far on the movie and get your take on a question related cool. to it. So as much as the previous gentleman said uh, he believes that it's satire, I would like to believe the same thing, but I would actually disagree because of the way it ended. And the way it ended, like you said, was it showed, you know, the picture of the canon, their overarching semantics when they were expressing themselves in the beginning really did match the non-satirical form. I think overlooking the arching theme of this movie a lot of people are not going to be diving too deep into it and overthinking barbie's world itself but it's it's actually too bad that they won't be because this movie had the potential of you know sort of being a kids movie and then being a grown-ups movie like shrek but it lost you know it lost that it lost that in the sense that you like you said i completely agree with you when you said it was marketed a certain way on the commercials, on the YouTube ads. And then you said you went to go see the movie and it's complete garbage because they did not drive the point home. They 
overdid a lot of the makeshift jokes and the comp compilation of actual satire to grown-up jokes is not there. So what I would like to share is there's a song called uh, I'm a Barbie Girl by Aqua. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty old song. And in the lyrics there, um, you know, it says, oh, well, you know, um, life yeah, is- Yeah, why don't you sing it for us? Why don't you go ahead and sing it? No, I'm kidding. No, 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 okay. no, no. I just wanted to quote uh, <laughs> a small quote. Uh, life in plastic, it's fantastic. You know, and I think that's the overarching theme of this movie. I think when you look at it from an outsider's perspective, for me, who has no idea about Barbie in general, who has not played with Barbie, who does not really associate the brand name to anything valuable, I see it as equating to the real world as people will live in their own universe, in their own phone, handheld device, in their own little world, and it's fantastic. And it's great because they are in a bubble, they're cushioned, they're comfortable, they're not taking risks, they're not improving themselves, they're not trying to be better. Ken, he is this perfect idealized guy that she, for some reason, doesn't really want to gravitate towards. She wants to do her own thing, it seems like. And that is an example of how nowadays people are trying to become perfect, this perfect image of themselves, whether it's for friends or relationships. And they go about trying to, you know, put up a mirror in front of them and say, hey, look at me, this is my best self. But in reality, they got a tornado going down in their own world. They have problems left, right, and center, and they do not address them. They let them pile up, and it leads to more and more hurt. Yeah, I buy it, man. Like, it's definitely a polarizing movie for sure. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of people that think there's satire to it. I, I think. I think my biggest problem with the entire movie is that they had, I think, to your point, they had plenty of opportunities to drive home a positive message of men and women can be together, and that's good, and that's okay. Men and women don't have to be together, and that's also okay. You're free to make your own choices, and that's okay, but let's make sure that everyone's aware of that no matter what your choices, consequences will result. And I think that's just – I think that was the big miss. I wasn't surprised that you know Ken didn't get the girl after all, and he got friend-zoned and rejected at the very end, and that's all he wanted. But And then she turned around and said, but you're enough. You're Ken enough, right? You know, just, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it was pretty, it was pretty hard to watch. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, time will tell. I think if it was satire, it was absolutely genius and it was the most, I mean, it was brilliant. Um, but even if that's the case, I think the lasting effect that it's going to have is going to be mostly negative. I think most people are not going to understand the satirical nature of it. Um <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I guess you're going to have to ask Greta Gerwig that. <laughs> I like what you said about that's enough. I think if you had to summarize the plot of that entire movie for someone that hasn't seen it, like for me, for example, I didn't see it. But that's enough is kind of like a participation ribbon nowadays, I think. Hey, oh, yeah. People just doing just barely enough just to get the paycheck or just to, you know, it's get telling people you're good just the way you are. Even though you might be a complete loser 
and you're 300 pounds overweight and you don't have two nickels to rub together or a pot to piss in, you're good just the way you are. Like, just be yourself. It's, it's, it's really poisonous advice. And it's, yeah, it has nothing to do with, like Ken wasn't enough just because he didn't go and learn any lessons. He didn't earn anything. He didn't become, he was a bitter dude that got rejected multiple times and then got convinced by Barbie. Well, Barbie says I'm enough. So I'm enough. Right. So, I mean, the most vapid character of all time, I, I don't know, man. It's like everything I keep coming back to, it's like, it's so ridiculous. It has to be satire, but deep down, I just don't think that it is exactly exactly don't go see it that's why i did this tonight i did this so you didn't have to waste your money and go see it i don't recommend it and if he had more frame which of course the hollywood directors will not allow that because that goes against the narrative the might the movie might have been totally different it might have been the late 90s mid 90s movies that we all love but unfortunately it's the world we live in so it's what we got amen to that dude good see you man good see you see you later coming up all right, let's grab Victor. Victor, are you still on? Can you grab your video? All right, I see you're on the road. So if it's too loud, we're going to have to drop you, but we'll give it a shot. What's up, big guy? Hey, Moff, can you hear me? Yeah, man. What's going on? Yeah, it's still driving night already. Yeah. Uh, you have, I, I have one really important question what you didn't touch on. Okay. So I hope you're ready. Hit me. Have you, while going and seeing this movie, wearing pink? No, I didn't wear pink. I wore all black. I wore all black because it was like going to a funeral. So yeah. I didn't wear pink. And dude, it was a, it's the most ridiculous thing. Like seeing grown women like wearing sequin tank tops and like doing their pink eyeshadow and just like wearing white leather boots and stuff. And it, it, it's just, if you want to see, it, it's basically like going to the zoo. Like you just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the world you're transported in if you're in line for a Barbie uh, but no, I didn't wear pink. I wore I wore all black, and I have sources that will swear by that. So no, <laughs> no, no I'm just me. I'm just teasing. Uh, I actually have a story. I'm not sure if uh, they clean it up or not. But uh, back in beginning '90s, uh, uh, not beginning, ending '90s, uh, beginning tw- uh, 2000s, back in Kiev in Ukraine, um, in uh, the news came up that the Barbie uh, company actually uh, was doing really bad plastics in their Barbie toys, and a kid was poisoned by that and wasn't hospitalized. It was a huge news for that time, so they got recalled and all of that. So that's how I remember Barbie. Uh, two things: like first, it was like poisonous plastic, and second of all, it uh, was fucking expensive. Like it was. At that time, I think somebody need to spend like uh, most of his salary, like month's salary, to actually buy this toy. So it was just crazy. That's only what I remember for. But uh, actually, the other reason why I'm calling you today is um, to thank you uh, for helping me. And uh, as well, uh, guys, don't forget to put like because on a road while you're driving, the shows is like, I don't know, enjoying, you know, keeping you awake all the time. So. Thank you very much for being here. I know that I'm not sure whatever you get paid or not, but thank you for spending time and uh, talking with us and giving all of this time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thanks for joining. Um, thanks for joining the call, calling in, and you're our, one of our newest members to the 10%, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in there and seeing you get some value. We've had some some good call-ins tonight, man. But drive safe out there, man. Stay awake. Yeah, we'll do my best. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Be good. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. 
good show, Moff. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, I think I kind of hit my stride this one. But um, yeah, dude. So again, quick, quick housekeeping. I'm going to be hosting the show again next week. I don't have any topics um, top of mind right now. If you guys, there's anything in the news, there's anything that you want to hear, you know, somebody touch on, talk about, shoot me a DM. You know, here's my Instagram. If you're not already following me, go ahead and hit that follow button. Um, shoot me a DM, say, hey, have you talked about this? Or I've seen this. I'm open to all and any ideas. So, and this, this time I have like a week to plan, not, you know, 36 hours. So, uh, like I said, Rich will be back the 21st. Uh, we'll be hosting the show. I'll be back behind the scenes again for the Unplugged Alpha, but I'll be on camera and hosting the panel for Ladies Night. Um, but yeah, man, this has been fun. Appreciate all the callers and, and guys coming on. We, we ended a little bit earlier than last time, which I was stoked about. Uh, definitely some interesting theories around the movie, man. But I, I guess in the end, they won because they got us talking about it. And we spent our hard-earned money to go see that god-awful movie. But uh, yeah, man, any questions you guys got, anything like that, hit me up. I'm um, going to run the ad reel and then get out of here. We'll see you next week. Same time, the Unplugged Alpha channel, 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you guys be good out there. All right, guys. If you enjoyed that podcast, make sure you visit my website at richcooper.ca to learn more about my courses, my book, The Unplugged Alpha, community, or booking me for private coaching. Also, if you are a Canadian with $15,000 or more of credit card debt and what you are doing right now isn't paying off the balances, then visit totaldebtfreedom.ca and hit get a free quote to see if you qualify to settle your credit card debt for less than you owe today over the next 48 months. Make sure you check out the top pinned comment on YouTube for all the links mentioned during the show. Peace.